welcome to the Good Old Days Podcast. This is Maggie Coomer. And this is Jasmine Brand. And you're joining us for the first of our new Saturday series, our Suffragist Saturday series. Wait, what? You're joining us for the first in our new Suffragist Saturday series. This year, the dreaded 2020, the United States celebrates the centennial anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment to the Constitution. This amendment extended suffrage, or the right to vote, to American citizens regardless of their sex. Tennessee, our home state, became the 36th state to ratify the amendment on August 18, 1920. It passed by one vote. Let that sink in. For the next four weeks leading up to the election, we will be talking about different people who helped win women the right to vote in the United States. We usually like to see our podcast as an escape from all the craziness, hence why we started this in 2020, (laughs) that goes on around us literally every day, especially now. However, voting is something incredibly important and is not just our right, but at least I see it as our democratic duty. So we hope you'll join us for these inspiring stories and would actually love for you to reach out and share your own stories, whether this is your first time voting or you have some election day advice for those of us that haven't been doing it that long. You can do that by reaching out on any of our social platforms. So Facebook and Instagram is at the good old days pod. Twitter is at the good OD pod and tag us and use the hashtag suffragist Saturday. And let's see what we're all doing to, well, vote, make our plan and just try and inspire each other and, well, make all of these women and in some cases men proud of us and using our vote. We're going to go ahead and kick off this series and cover one of Nashville's most famous suffragists, and her name is Anne Dallas Dudley. Anne Dallas Dudley is most widely credited with helping to push through ratification of the 19th Amendment here in Tennessee. And this held great importance because by the spring of 1920, 35 states had ratified this amendment. But in order to enfranchise women to vote by the fall elections of that year, one more state had to follow suit, and Tennessee would be that state. Anne was born November 13, 1876, right here in Nashville, Tennessee. She had a typical education for a young, affluent woman. She attended uh, Ward Seminary. And then she went on to, for secondary education, she attended uh, Price's College for Young Ladies, a.k.a. also called Nashville College for Young Ladies. This college was opened in the 1880s. um, And according to a great little article I found on the Nashville Public Library website, this wasn't your usual ladies' college in the sense that they didn't just provide a domestic curriculum meant to prepare women for a life of domestic servitude. Rather, the education that Anne Dallas Dudley was re- would have received was a curriculum geared towards providing a progressive education. Anne's foray into activism actually started with the temperance movement. This is not at all uncommon for suffrage activists in the South, okay, specifically. Um, the Bible Belt, uh, very much pro-temperance, lots of dry counties um, you know, throughout the South. So not, not, not a shocker, but she 
she starts her activism by getting involved with the temperance movement in the early 1900s. Okay, this is shortly after her marriage to Guilford Dudley, who was the president of the for of an insurance company, wasn't he? He was, yeah. So I think eventually it'd be bought out by AIG. So a pretty big, decent, decently sized insurance company. Okay, so they were to uh, uh, they essentially were a little power couple, right? They uh, Anne was a socialite. She was she came from a wealthy family. She got a great education. She was esteemed in the high social circles around Tennessee. And uh, she, Anne and her husband, kept a country estate over in West Nashville, like Bellmead area. I think it's interesting, too, because I found a source that said Anne said that she started off being anti-suffrage, and her husband, notably, is pro-suffrage. So I'm not sure which way round who influenced who on that, but the couple would end up being both pro-suffrage, which is just an interesting note in her life. That is, that is interesting. And so I read that Anne was influenced by pro-suffrage friends in the temperance league like so in, at, at these temperance movements that she started attending in the early 1900s she hooked up with with pro-suffrage women who became you know very close friends of her of Anne's, and that's what that's what really tipped her over because she realized okay how can i make changes with temperance how can we make changes in society and she figured out well we can't do anything unless we have a say unless we have a vote and i think that that's what helped her see the light where's do we have that quote of equal representation yeah uh i found a quote a quote attributed to ann dallas dudley in 1913 so she's well underway in her activities her pro-suffrage activities um but that quote is as follows I have never yet met a man or a woman who denied that taxation without representation is tyranny. I have never yet seen one who was such a traitor to our form of government that he did not believe that the government rests upon the consent of the governed. This is a government of, for, and by the people, and only the law denies that women are people. I thought that was pretty powerful. Absolutely. And that's a big switch from where she said she started from. Most upper class people, including upper class women, believed that it was not proper. It was not a woman's place to vote. So essentially, the circles that Ann Dallas Dudley is running in, right, her social circles, these women don't think that it's it's proper for a woman to vote. No, and that's going to be a very common argument with the antis or the anti-suffrage supporters. And there were large groups of them, just like some of the groups and leagues that Ann Dallas Dudley would be a part of and help create even. Well, let's dive into that. Tell us a little bit about the organizations that Ann Dallas Dudley was involved with. So there were many throughout her lifetime. Most notably, though, I would say she helped to establish the Nashville Equal Suffrage League in 1911 and would be elected their first ever president. This league often organized suffrage parades, most notably a large parade every May Day, which was May 1st, and was essentially Workers' Day. Um, You could 
think of it like a Labor Day almost before Labor Day was a big thing. Um, And Anne would always include her two children and her son Guilford would later serve in the Nixon administration as a little side note. But this was important because by including her children, she was breaking down stereotypes, again, put up by, well, aunties or people who were against suffrage. Boo. <laughs> we boo the aunties in this podcast. Boo. We do boo the aunties. Boo. Um, but there was... <laughs> boo. <laughs> that was a very unenthusiastic boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But this was a really big problem because the stereotype placed on pro-suffrage supporters were these were women who were too ugly or too unattractive in some way or fashion to get married, to have families. They were bullish. They were mannish. They were they were not proper women and they were trying to upset upset the American family way of life was was how they were portrayed right and then we have beautiful well-connected lovely mother and alice dudley who changes the picture of what a suffragist looked like right absolutely absolutely and that was her whole point is like suffrage isn't just for people that you think don't fit into society it's for all of society. And this really gains traction with a lot of people. I think you said it earlier when we were talking, Maggie, she makes suffrage fashionable. She makes it popular. She makes it fun. She makes it cool. Um, Like a club you want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How does she, how does she make it cool? Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So something she does with the um, Nashville Equal Suffrage League is she helps to bring the National Suffrage Convention to Nashville. And that was going to be the largest in the country to date, be held in Centennial Park in 1914. And some estimates, although it's difficult to tell, number the attendees at over 2,000 men and women. They would essentially hold all of these kind of fun events that you would want to go to and that were closely tied with, I know, things you're seeing happening at like temperance conventions, which are more acceptable in a weird way, or things that you might see if you go to your neighbor's barbecue or a a social event. So social events for upper class, middle class women that they would want to be at. So the during that convention, the National Suffrage Convention in 1914, um, they held a variety of of social events, and one of those one that stuck out to me that I thought was hilarious is they had a barbecue. They held a barbecue on the grounds of the Hermitage. That is Andrew Jackson's home. It's a museum nowadays. It is not pronounced the Hermitage. So let's just put that to bed right now. So this barbecue took place um, at the Hermitage. It and then they had a race. They they hosted a race between a car, an automobile, with a female driver, and an airplane with a female pilot. Apparently, that was <laughs> it was a race that happened on the grounds of the Hermitage. And so, I mean, these are the kind of events that are drawing people. And if you're a, a, a socialite, if you're a woman of social standing and all of your friends are taking part in this 
in this uh, uh, event. I mean, that's going to be a really, a really tempting. I'm going to say that that's going to be a really great tactic to, I mean, if you just look at like, oh my God, what am I trying to say? It's going to be a really great tactic to get high social women, high high class women to join this cause because it's like, if it's a part of your social sphere, it's going to be easier, I think, to to maybe penetrate the naysayers. I don't necessarily want to say penetrate, but. <laughs> well, it's like when you, I guess what I was going to say earlier is like, it's when you go to university and clubs offer free food and you're like, oh, well, I'm not really into that, but I'll go and check it out. I'll get a slice of pizza. pizza. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> And you show up and you're like, actually, this is kind of cool. Maybe I'll join it. And you end up doing things that you never thought you would do because you were enticed by something that seemed completely neutral. To, to, to entice people to partake in these events, it just it provides a really great platform to sneak in some information about the cause. I'm going to I think Anne Dallas Dudley said specifically that she thought that this particular event was a turning point in in with suffrage sentiment in Tennessee, it just made it it put it on the 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 mainstream. It made it mainstream. And I mean, before 1910, the only suffrage association in the state of Tennessee, there was one. It was the Tennessee Equal Suffrage Association. By 1914, what what I what did I tell you earlier? There were like 75 different associations and clubs and stuff by 1914. So that's how rapid this cause progressed in the state of Tennessee specifically. So for Ann Dallas Dudley to succeed in getting and lobbying to have the National Suffrage Convention brought to Nashville, I mean that was a that was a masterful move. From a PR perspective, that was pretty, pretty slick. And she did a really good job of marrying it with the temperance movement. So if you supported temperance, it made sense to support suffrage because if women can vote for temperance, great. You know, you have all of these extra bodies, essentially, voting for what you want to vote for. So you, there were so many different ways that this could be spun. And unfortunately, we've had a lot of trouble finding some of her speeches and own words. But we did find a quote that got credited to the speech that she made at this parade or event in 1914. And she'd actually be the first Tennessean woman to make an open air speech ever um as far as we can find in the in the history of Tennessee because it was considered unladylike to give a speech as a woman to, to talk in public yeah, yeah to speak in public to you know it's the whole scene but not heard thing do anything in public to smoke in public to speak in public to appear in public without a chaperone i mean anything that you did in public as a woman was it's like you don't even we don't even see you here. So she gets up at the the convention and she gives uh, her fir- the first open air speech given by a Tennessee woman. And she said, quote, we have a vision, a vision of a time when a woman's home will be the whole wide world. Her children, all those whose feet are bare and her sisters, all those who need a helping hand, a vision of a new knighthood of a new chivalry when men fight not only for women, but for the rights of women. I just like to add to the to the marrying of the temperance and the suffrage movement. I mean, if you I want you to I'm going to give you a little scenario here. So imagine that you're a woman in the 1900s who supports temperance, meaning no alcohol. But your husband is a big drinker. You know, maybe there's some domestic violence going on. 
Well, at that point, the the main argument for the anti-suffragists was that women were represented equally at at the polls by their husbands and their fathers. So think about this. If you're an if you're a pro-temperance woman uh, with a husband that's that's, you know, drinking himself to death, you have absolutely no recourse. His his views on that do not represent yours. So what a way to change your mind. There's no way you're going to be able to 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 change to make the changes that you want to make unless you have an autonomous position and an autonomous vote in government. So, I mean, I think what a great way to sell. I don't think that suffrage would have been successful without the temperance movement. Do you? No, I think they're really closely linked. And even though they don't seem like they would get on, you had to have one to have the other almost. And temperance, I mean, that's a failed movement by all measures. Um, Thank well, God. By most measures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it it served a purpose. So I sure. think we have to credit it with that. And to bring up the, the antis again, a massive a massive like sticking point that they had was that women shouldn't get the vote because women don't fight and women don't bear arms. Men bear arms. And so only men should vote. And Dudley had a really good response to this. What did she say? And Dudley replied, yes, but women bear armies. Mic drop. Oh, <laughs> go Anne Dudley. <laughs> so Anne Dallas Dudley campaigned throughout the South, giving speeches, writing articles, distributing literature. Essentially, these suffrage leagues were literature distrib- dis- distributors. They were uh, disseminating uh, information. That was it. Was the, the whole point was to was to unify and educate. And so Anne Anne Dallas Dudley, who was a woman of high social standing, a by all accounts a very attractive woman. Um, she would make the rounds. She would travel throughout the South campaigning for suffrage. And this was particularly difficult because in the South, a lot of the a lot of the antis, a lot of the people who were who were against suffrage were against it because giving women the right to vote would automatically extend the right to vote to black women. And in the South, there was still a huge racial disparity. So this is one of the main sticking points for Southerners um, and Southern states to pass the 19th Amendment, to ratify the 19th Amendment, because they didn't want to give Black women the right to vote. Well, and it brings up the issue of states' rights again. I mean, I know this is an ongoing thing, but they bring it up as universal suffrage Basically, they bring up universal suffrage is an attack on states' rights, is what they try and say. And again, the same question applies as always, a state's rights to what? What are you trying to have your own rights to do? And it's, as always, just suppressing people. To suppress and oppress people who you view inferior. That's the state's rights argument. This argument comes from within the National American Women's Suffrage Association, from a part of it anyway. And in fact, some of the leaders of this association would argue that Black people, not just Black women, shouldn't have the right to vote because they were uneducated and they couldn't read. And if they couldn't read, how could they know the Declaration of Independence and how could they understand what voting really meant? And that was a serious argument. 
coming from pro suffragists. Um, I think it, it, I think it could possibly be a little confusing for listeners to understand all the different committees and associations that Anne Dallas Dudley was a part of. So let's let's just break that down really quick. So she's voted the president of the Nashville Suffrage Association in 1911, right? Then she's elected as the president of the Tennessee Equal Suffrage Association in 1915. And then in 1917, she is elected the third vice president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association, Nassau. 1919 rolls around, and by the spring of 1920, 35 states have ratified the 19th Amendment, and it is up to Tennessee. And Tennessee takes takes the the 19th Amendment to the state legislature to ratify or to to not ratify uh, in August. And it actually comes down to one young man, and we'll talk about him probably in the third episode of this series. Um, but Harry Byrne, a young Tennessee state legislator, he had originally put his vote as no for the suffrage amendment, but changed his vote to yes after receiving a a letter from his mother urging him to vote yes for women's suffrage. And um, he, <laughs> I guess he was booed out of the chamber after he gave his, his vote for yes, but that was it. And the women had their victory. And Ann Dallas Dudley was in no small part, you know, a, a, a contributor towards the victory of the 19th Amendment passing in Tennessee. And in 1920, what does she go on to do, Jasmine? She was the first ever female at large delegate to the Democratic National Convention, which is huge. What is female at large? What does that mean? So it's just like member at large, but of course they're not going to give her the same. She's not just a member. She's a woman. (laughs) Suffrage doesn't mean equal rights. It meant equal voting rights. And that was about it. And we'll get into how the intent and the execution was a little bit different in a later episode. So after after the 19th Amendment passes, Ann Dallas Dudley, she goes on to serve in the National Democratic National Convention. And then what happens? What does the end of her life look like? So she does a lot of different things throughout her life. Uh, I would say most notably in the Second World War, she's really involved with the Red Cross, American Red Cross, and gets recognized for that. And shortly after, in 1951, just before her death, she helps found the Association for the Preservation of Tennessee Antiquities, which was an organization that looked to essentially save different historic sites. Yeah, preserve different different homes, different sites in Tennessee, and they're a very large organization now. I think they own over 20 properties throughout the state of Tennessee. And so that's just historical preservation. So she has, and Dallas Dudley left a lasting legacy. Not only did she help women earn the right to vote, she also helped to get the ball rolling to save some of Tennessee's more historic properties. So all in all, Resident badass of Nashville and Alice Dudley. That's it. We hope you enjoyed this. If you liked what you heard today, we want you to head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We'd also like for you to go check out our new website, thegoodolddayspod.com. 
And you can leave us comments there. You can leave us uh, or there's a contact form for you to send us a message. You can also gain access to all of our other episodes uh, and support the show if you're interested. So thank you all so much. We hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and get ready for part two of our series on HH Homes that will roll out on Wednesday. It is available on Patreon at this very moment. Thank you all so much. Enjoy your weekend. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.